0: Hello and welcome to episode number seven of my podcast. This week I slipped into conversation with Lizzie from At Hive Knits. She's someone who I've kind of wanted to talk to for a while because I've followed her on Instagram um, pretty much when she kind of started. I think her knits are really interesting and really, really good quality. So yeah, she's someone who I've kind of wanted to talk to for quite a bit. Next week's episode will be the last of the season, uh, season one of the podcast. Um, But I have recorded season two. Um, and I'm currently editing that, so there'll be a little gap between season one and season two. I'll update you when uh, the next season is going to come out, and I'll drop a little tease on who I've got for the next season. Uh, so currently, I am working on some patterns. If you heard last week's episode, you would have known that I um, made a website, so my website is now live. Um, it has things that related to my knitting, uh, links to the podcast episode, so if you are listening to this, um, there's links to like the YouTube or the Instagram version if you want to watch the podcast as well. And it's also got my patterns on there as well, which is one of the main reasons why I wanted to put a website together. Um, at the moment, I have two free patterns on there, but I'm also looking for test knitters. Um, I have just completed, well, I've, I've completed a medium-sized dog sweater um, and I'm currently writing it up in different sizes. And um, yeah, looking for test knitters Love uh, for people to come and try the pattern out. Um, I'm hoping I can sell it soon, um, but I need to get people to try it out on different sized dogs. Um, So at the moment, I'm currently working on the smaller size and that's kind of like for pugs and kind of terriers and that kind of size dog. Um, At the moment, the medium sized dog is good for um, kind of Frenchies, Cocker Spaniels those kind of medium sized dogs. If you'd like to be a pat- pattern tester, uh, head on over to my website and there's links in the knitting section to becoming a pattern tester. And yeah, hopefully I'll I'll have them for sale soon as well. Also on the website, I also have a pattern that needs to be tested for my Love Me Honey sweater that I created. Um, it's quite a simple pattern. It's just kind of one size and I'm trying to work out how to word it so it's more inclusive, so more people can try and wear it. but I need some people to have a look at it and kind of give me some tips and some hints on how to how to write it so it's a bit more inclusive. Um, but really, would love your feedback. Um, these are free patterns that people can try out at the moment. Um, I'm only going to give it to a certain number of people, uh, but there's a little form that you can fill out on the website. This is a really nice kind of long episode. If you're watching this episode, then here is a photo of um, Lizzie in her full kind of gear that she has to wear uh, when she's kind of near patients, the stuff kind of around Covid patients. Um, if you're listening to this then uh, if you head on over to the blog of this episode I'll have a little image of her in a gear if you want to have a look. So in this episode we talk about um, what is a junior doctor and what it's like being a young doctor or a doctor in these kind of Covid times. Uh, we also talk quite a lot about knitting, this is quite a knitting heavy episode if you're into that. Um, so we talk a bit about blocking, we talk about magic socks, we talk about how knitting and crafting is really good for your mental health. We talk about how great this knitting community is. If you're part of this knitting community, you know. Uh, we also talk about um, being a test knitter. She also checked out uh, one of the patterns um, and kind of like looked it over. So she yeah, she's a really good pattern tester. She kind of knows what she's doing and she's done quite a lot of pattern testing. We also talk about um, substituting yarn and how... If you put in a little bit more time, you can work out what's a good substitution. Uh, We talk about a beanbag chair and a jumper as well, that there's links down in the description if you wanna go and check them out a little bit more. Uh, And then in this episode, you'll also find out what I used to use as kind of stoppers on the ends of my needles when um, I didn't really know that stoppers were a thing. I'll be back at the end of the episode with just a little bit more chat. And we start the conversation with me asking how she got into knitting.
1: So I got into knitting in a bit of a funny way um, about two it was about two years ago I was um on placement in GP practice as part of my uh, training and the way it worked with the clinics was that I had an, a really early morning clinic and then a really big gap um and then another one that started about quarter three in the afternoon ran to about six And I wasn't really sure what to do in those lunch breaks. And I made friends with the receptionist at the GP practice. And one of them, big shout out to Cynthia, um, taught me to knit. Because I saw a a little neonatal hat that was on her desk that she'd made. I said, oh, that's really nice. Um, Did you make that? And she said yes and then told me about it. And then one thing led to another. She brought me in some needles and some yarn and I just loved it and took it up myself after that. And here we are.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Cause I, I did have a little scroll back and it looked like you started your account in 2019. So yeah. Mm-hmm. So was your yeah. first project. Um, sorry. I'm just trying to scroll back again. Was your first project that jumper that you posted or had you like, had you done any knitting before or was it just.
1: No, never. You know? um, actually maybe when I was, really young I think my mum tried to do a bit of knitting with me just like a scarf but I just never got it really I remember I had to get her to do all the casting on and casting off and it was just really awful like loads of holes and um so I'd never done any since then and so I think the first thing I made was she gave me the pattern for this hat so I had to go at that but I remember um the needles were so small they must have been her needles were in the old measurement system but they must have been no more than like two or three millimeters and the yarn was proper like sport like baby yarn Mm -hmm. so now I look back and I think why did she try and start me off on that but I think that's just what she had to hand um but after the baby hat I I remember that was nearly Christmas and then for Christmas I asked for a wool in the gang voucher because I saw their stuff on Instagram was like oh this is great good for beginners and I ordered I remember it was um the hero cardigan it's like with the wool um crazy sexy wool a really big chunky wool so that was my first proper project which is great because it was on I think 15 millimeter needles and yeah
0: yeah yeah it looks like kind of 15 mil yeah because either cardigan like my parents generation and stuff like that they they love using fin needles and like yeah. fin wool like that's how they kind of knitted. I think like speaking to a lot of other people like our generation we prefer like chunkier needles and I think if you're trying to get into knitting I think having chunky mm-hmm. needles and chunky wool really helps because you can actually see progress like you can spend yeah. half an hour and you can actually have like a good amount of a scarf but if yeah. you spend half an hour with like fin wool you're still casting on
1: yeah definitely and you can see your mistakes a bit easier as well in in chunky wool can't you
0: yeah, I think you can also kind of hide things a bit better as well. Sometimes.
1: Yeah, that's true. It's funny actually because as I, um, I definitely started off with chunky stuff and really liked that. But as I've got more confident and started different projects and learnt new techniques, I kind of have noticed that I've started making stuff with like thinner and thinner yarn. Thinner yeah, you can
0: see that needles. on your Instagram. Yeah, I think I've yeah. kind of started doing that as well because I'm getting quicker and quicker a part of me wants projects to last a little bit longer and if it's so chunky then it's just it's it's done within a few days
1: yeah takes ages to dry as well chunky knitting
0: i yeah i do want to talk to you about that (laughs) because i don't do blocking isn't it ah yeah yeah i i don't really do it um partly because we don't have the space in our apartment to like we don't have a bathtub so we don't we can't put it anywhere like i would have to fill Mm -hmm. up the kitchen sink and then there's no space to dry it especially with a dog yes but how much of a difference do you think it makes blocking your work
1: i never used to block anything i think when i was knitting like more chunky things and to be fair i'm not sure that you need to with chunkier stuff because it just holds its shape a bit more just because of the structure and how it how the fiber comes together when you knit it um and then i always saw blocking on knitting patterns and thought oh, I'll not bother with that it just seemed like a faff at the end and you just I just wanted to wear it and I never bothered with it and then I looked a bit more into it and I think I saw a, someone's video on Instagram I can't remember who it was and it explained a few different techniques um so you can kind of do a few different things the way I normally block stuff now is like full wet blocking which is when after you finish something you soak it in like warm water I now add a bit of um like wool wash there's a few different ones you can use um I use soak which smells lovely and you kind of soak it for 15 minutes ish and then roll it up in a towel try and get most of the water out and then pin it out on your blocking mat and let it dry so I find that to give a really nice finish but it is quite time consuming and needs quite a lot of space but other things you can do you can just um like, if you have, uh, you know, like a, um, a mister for plants, like a spritzer mm-hmm. thing, you can just um, spritz your knitting and then it's just slightly damp and pin it out, and that takes less time to dry. And some people steam block as well with an iron or like a clothes steamer. Um, okay. I've never done that because I'm always a bit scared of like the heat on the fibers, but I know yeah. some people do that for chunkier stuff and say it works really well.
0: Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I just, I, I think if we had a, we got a bigger place and we were able to have a craft room that I could mm-hmm. lock the dog away. Then I that is like...
1: the dream, a craft room. Yeah. I actually got a little hat blocking just now, I'll show you.
0: It a podcast? Oh, that's cool.
1: I used to just do it with water just to kind of see how it worked before I invested in any products. Um, and to be honest, that was like I think that gives it the suppleness to then shape it nicely um but I have found that soaking it with a little bit of product just it kind of softens the yarn a bit and just yep. makes it really nice to wear I do I have to say I wasn't a believer in blocking and I'm a convert to blocking I'm fully able to admit that I've had my mind changed
0: I think that's what that's something that I've heard quite a few times yeah. a lot of people have said I never bothered with it I didn't see the point and then I started doing it and now I do it all the time
1: yeah I heard someone said um the phrase I think my mum told me um it blocking turns a garment from um homemade to handmade it just like gives it that little finesse and it just as well sometimes even if you try really hard with your gauge and you think you've got your gauge swatch perfect sometimes when you finish and you put something on you think oh that's not quite right but then you can just tease it out with blocking it till you're right measurements and it can make a massive difference
0: okay that's good to know so yeah maybe, maybe, maybe i'll give it a go at some point
1: yeah i do i would be interested to see what you think
0: yeah um i saw that you did the um magic sock pattern as well uh from one mm. of the how did you find that yeah
1: it's kind of a love <laughs> it's a love-hate relationship um i ended up loving it to be fair and i really like the finished products but I, I really struggled to get the gauge. Like I was a, when I saw that you'd done them so quickly, I was like, "That is incredible, because honestly, I flip-flopped between when I ordered my pack, I got three different needle sizes, and I must have gone through all of them, and they still weren't right. And I remember buying an extra set I think it was three millimeters, and that still wasn't right. And I just <laughs> nearly like threw it on the floor in a rage, like how I don't understand how I'm supposed to get the gauge. And I just picked it up after a couple of weeks, and suddenly it just worked.
0: Yeah, I think um, I found with, like, my knitting style is, like, my gauge is usually pretty much hang on for one on the gang. Um, mm-hmm. So I seem to have the right tension for them. And a little confession, I didn't, I it did take me quite a while to knit those socks. I started, probably, I started them just before Christmas, but I had a bit of a gap just before Christmas, I think, because... Mm-hmm everyone was posting everyone was trying to sell stuff and I was just like I'm gonna step away for Christmas time um and then I started posting them so it did take me a week or so but because I I didn't stop to take photos I didn't really have anything else that I was working on I was just knitting Mm -hmm. those socks
1: they're quite handy to um take with you places aren't they because they're so small compared to like big jumper projects or
0: yeah, although I have found out those uh, needles are incredibly delicate. <laughs> I know. I saw that you snapped one. <laughs> yeah, I, d- I don't even know how I did it. I think I put the I think I put them in my drawer, and when I closed the drawer, it must have got caught on something. Oh, and no. when I took it out, it was snapped. And I was like, mm-hmm. great. But luckily, I know. Yeah, when I started, I bought one of those like mega sets of like needles of just like mm-hmm. it goes from gauge one to like. All the way up to ten, I think. So I had hundreds of needles and I was luckily I nearly threw them away because I was like, I'm never gonna work with anything below a three. Yeah. Luckily kept them. So I was am still able to keep working on a new sock. So
1: Oh that's so good. So you actually had a spare. Hmm. That's very handy. Yeah, they are I remember I took um we went feels like a lifetime ago, but we went um traveling in Vietnam at the end of, of summer 2019. And I remember thinking like, I find myself getting all antsy if I don't have, like, a project. Like, I need to take a project because there's quite a lot of, like, planes and buses and stuff. I thought, this is, this will be a good opportunity to do some knitting. But I didn't want to cart, like, a big sweater or, you know, like, a big project around. So I thought, all oh, the socks will be perfect. But I remember being really worried that the needles were going to get broken somewhere on the travels. But they didn't.
0: Yeah, I Yeah, when I go travelling, well, when we used to be able to go travelling... <laughs> Um, I remember taking a project over to Portugal. I think we, we went to this like nice little like kind of villa place, and mm-hmm. it was like all inclusive kind of thing, not quite all inclusive, but yeah. I just took a knitting project, and I was sitting on the beach knitting.
1: I know for us in the UK, you'd think that's weird, but people in like beachy countries probably do that all the time, don't they?
0: I follow a few people who, um, someone who lives in California. And they like to sit on the beach and knit. And it's like, that That would be cool.
1: I know. That's the dream. Whereas we get to sit looking out at the rain.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like this part of the lockdown is going to be the hardest for most people because it's Mm grey now. Yeah. Like, at least the first lockdown, it was a bit, it was sunny. It was quite nice. So you could enjoy the time outside a bit more. Yeah. Yeah,
1: And you could go for your walk and... It was nice rather than now. It's like dodging showers, isn't
0: it? Let's go into... Because you're a, like a full doctor.
1: Right? A <laughs> full doctor.
0: Like, Because I thought I read like a junior doctor, which I don't know the yeah. difference between a you know, junior no, I doctor am. and um, Yeah.
1: Junior doctor is a really confusing term because basically anyone who's not a, a consultant or a GP... So any doctor in training is a junior doctor, but people train... You finish well you go to university at 18 and then it's five year or six year course you come out at say 23 and then it's up to eight years if you do it full-time to be a consultant so people can be junior doctors up till they're like well into their mid-30s so it's quite confusing
0: yeah because I had a feeling the junior part was nothing to do with your age it was yeah the level of your training it kind of just
1: means you're in yeah you're in training as opposed to
0: trained Yeah. So rather than saying trainee doctor, which might put some people off or might make some people a bit more nervous. I think junior doctor does sound a little bit better to someone than.
1: I think sometimes when you say it's difficult because junior sounds like you're really young, which isn't necessarily the case, but then trainee doctor sounds like you're maybe still in medical school, which isn't the case either. Mm. So it's kind of just having to explain it to patients sometimes.
0: How have you found that then?
1: Like work in general, or
0: yeah. How how did you? What how was it? When did you become like a full doctor, not junior doctor?
1: (laughs) No, (laughs) so I am still a junior doctor.
0: Oh, you you are still a junior. Okay, cool. I think I just I saw that you've changed your Instagram to doctor. I think that's why I'm just getting confused.
1: I think I so I I um, graduated in summer of 2017. And then when you graduate, you do what's called like your foundation years, which means you are a qualified doctor, but it's a two year foundation program where you rotate around different types of jobs, like medicine, A&E, surgery, GP to kind of get a feel for what you want to do for the rest of your career. Um, and then I decided I wanted to train to become a GP, which is three years training after the foundation training. Um, But I had a year out of training between the end of foundation and starting GP training, which was meant to be a year of like locum work in A&E for six months. And then I was going to go traveling to South America for six months. Mm -hmm. But obviously because of COVID, the traveling part didn't happen.
0: Yeah. Um, So were you still able to take a bit of time off or did you have to kind of get back in there and try and...
1: Yeah well it all just it all just happened at the same time so I was supposed to travel on the 1st of April which is pretty much when uh, I think we went into lockdown on the 23rd of March didn't we so it was almost like my bag was on the bed being packed it was that close to going away um so it was a massive disappointment we didn't go away and I think in terms of like like managing what to do with myself I just ended up working a fair bit more in A&E and there were more shifts and things because people were isolating and sick and stuff so I actually ended up working pretty much all the way through to the summer and then I started my GP training in August 2020.
0: Wow that must have been quite scary I mean I remember seeing footage of hospitals kind of getting overwhelmed and stuff at the beginning and I guess it's probably similar now really with this uh, this next wave?
1: I think the difficulty was, especially at the beginning, is that no one really knew um, how to, like we'd never seen this before and no one really Mm. knew what it was and how to treat it and even what the symptoms were. And it just evolved so quickly. I think that was why, particularly the first wave, was so difficult to deal with. Um, And yeah, I'm working in psychiatry at the moment. So a lot of people have been struggling with their mental health as a direct consequence of covid and lockdown so i haven't been working in any and in the medical side or intensive care or anything but it's just affecting like everyone
0: yeah it is yeah yeah mental health is i mean i feel like nowadays people are a little bit more clued up with mental health and Mm -hmm. trying to maintain it but obviously with covid and people having to be locked down and not being able to see friends and family you know a lot more people are struggling now so
1: definitely I think it's highlighted how much we all like depend on seeing our friends and family and having a social life and being able to get out and do things yeah
0: I mean we are social creatures really aren't we so Mm -hmm. are you are you enjoying working in the kind of gp and psychiatry kind of department at the moment
1: yeah it's i'm looking forward to when i'm qualified as a gp so you kind of do a hospital work for the first 18 months and then you do gp practice work for the last 18 months of your training um but my training's been was a bit interrupted this year because um without going into massive details as loads of people will have been experiencing as we just talked about like my own mental health just deteriorated a bit. So I actually had a bit of a break from training for about six weeks um, at the end of last year, Um, which was a bit unexpected, but I'm back in work now. And I have to say, like, it sounds a bit of a cliche, but definitely sort of knitting and having like a craft and being able to do something creative help during that time so much
0: yeah I mean that is definitely a common theme um Mm -hmm. speaking to pretty much most people that I've spoken to um either actually in the podcast or just generally that knitting has been a way um because I I did a, a video about how I got into knitting and it was to help with my struggles of anxiety and stress um yeah But it's able just to, like, help focus your brain onto one thing for however, like, even if it's 10 minutes, I think it can be incredibly helpful.
1: Definitely. Just that kind of focus and not really being able to think about other things. But then there's a few different types, isn't it? Because some, like, patterns and projects you have to really concentrate on and you can't think about other stuff, and that's really helpful. But sometimes, like, just having a bit of mindless knitting that's, like, all... Stocking it or something while you're watching tv is also really nice just to kind of yeah. just something kind of calming about it
0: yeah i find i sometimes used to struggle with just watching tv because i felt like what if you're watching tv you're just kind of wasting time um so i felt yeah. when i was knitting i was being productive but able to like switch my brain off and just watch tv for a little bit so
1: have you found that like crafting is helping you through furlough
0: oh for sure yeah Like if I didn't, I mean, I used to draw a long time ago as well. So if I wasn't knitting, I think the problem with me is that there's so many projects that I want to start and I want to do. Like I I would love to get back into drawing. Uh, I've started this podcast, which is taking up a lot of time. Um, I knit in the evenings. We've got our dog that we got in the first lockdown. So we're going on nice walks. Um, Yeah, there's so many projects I would love to get on with which I'm trying There's to take the most. time, is there? <laughs> There's not. And like, I'm off full time, like I'm furloughed full time. So even furloughed full time, I could still do with another couple of hours in the day or another couple of days even.
1: Yeah, I think it's good to kind of be able to focus on something that you really enjoy though. Because don't get me wrong, I do enjoy my work, but it is intense and you probably find the same with your job. I think everyone does. So it's nice to just have I never really had before I started knitting I never really had a sort of like a hobby before that you look forward to doing.
0: Yeah I was kind of the same because I used to I, I've i been working in kitchens and restaurants for most of my life like all my working life I've been working in kitchens and restaurants mm-hmm. and when I'm at home I like to cook and uh, I'm quite dyslexic but so I don't do like a lot of like normal reading like novels or whatever people normally like to read but like, I quite enjoy reading cookbooks. I like, I like going through them, looking at different techniques, looking at different recipes. Um, that's, that's the type of reading that I like to do, which is quite different to what probably most people do. But, yeah, I didn't really have it as a kind of outlet. Bit of drawing every now and again, but, yeah. yeah. Knitting has become the, most, the biggest outlet, for sure.
1: Yeah, definitely, like, creatively, but also kind of through instagram and meeting people and talking to people it's so nice to find a it's just a whole network of people that enjoy doing the same thing
0: yeah that's been for a, sure. that's
1: probably been a huge support for all different people during this really weird time
0: yeah for sure i think social media gets a lot of bad press and mm-hmm. part of me kind of understands a little bit because yeah definitely like twitter is i don't know it seems quite hateful i don't i'm not on twitter
1: i've had to stop like just don't. I deleted it from my phone because I just found it really
0: awful. Yeah, I think Twitter seems really toxic. Facebook mm. seems to be full of the older generation and conspiracy theories. Instagram, I think, if you follow the right people mm. and the right community, it can be really helpful. Um, I know the knitting community and the craft community is amazing, and everyone's there to help support each other. Um, and I think we're all. Like I said, most most people that I've spoken to have had the common theme of this has helped them with their mental health. So everyone's mm-hmm. kind of on that same kind of level and wavelength, which is really cool.
1: Yeah, it's a fine balance, isn't it? Because it's you've got to not be drawn into the trap of constantly like comparing yourself to other people. And it's very easy to see people's... I always think Instagram is a bit like a highlight reel. You kind of see people's... It's not. It's not real life,
0: mm-hmm. which is
1: why when you when there are people on there that kind of show you what their life looks like, I find that more difficult, but when it's like a community that like is supporting each other and you know, if you show a project that you've started and people say, Oh, that's amazing. And like, it, it it's just, it seems more supportive than sort of competitive.
0: Yeah. And there's that's definitely
1: a healthy way to use it. I think.
0: Yeah. There's definitely accounts out there that like to, show a certain lifestyle that they want to like create and show mm-hmm. off but I feel like most of the knitting community I mean everyone there's so many people from different backgrounds different sizes just so many different like different types of people but they just want to show off their work and get help with their work as well so I yeah think it's a bit more, that's a massive thing yeah mm-hmm. And it's, it's just nice to see and hear from just different people and like i've been absolutely loving this podcast because i've been following you for quite a while probably pretty much when you started i think mm-hmm. um like when you only had like maybe a couple hundred followers and now it's like it's pretty big like you're nearly <laughs> you're very close to 2000 which is pretty awesome um, yeah. especially because you're like a part-time like it's a full-time doctor <laughs> it's uh, it's pretty awesome Um, but it's just it's really nice to be able to talk to to people who I've seen and admired their work
1: yeah I think it's not like when you I found that within the community it feels like everyone's page there's like a real person behind it and you can chat rather than just like a front and a an image like there it does feel like there's a, a person behind the pictures if that makes sense
0: yeah no I get it yeah Uh, What other kind of like pages and stuff do you admire? Like who's your inspiration on Instagram?
1: Oh, so I love the Knit Pearl Girl. I've been following her for eight. Like, I feel like when I first started, like your page, her page um, and a couple of others. Like, I just feel like I've been following them from when I first started. I really admire her work. um, She's just kind of quite recently started pattern designing which is something that I'd really like to try if and when I have more time um and she's just really friendly and very real as well so um definitely would like to give her page a shout out
0: awesome yeah I I follow them as well
1: and my mind's gone completely blank for others let me just have a look
0: yeah yeah you can have a lucky event like I feel like it's hard to remember it's so hard to remember and there's so many accounts out there that are just awesome.
1: I'm going to probably pronounce this wrong. Colibri by Joanna. have a lot of respect for her work. Did This is actually one of her patterns that I'm wearing. It was an unintentional um, <laughs> nice. um, advertisement just there. So there's a test knitter for this is the Casper sweater, um, which is a lovely pattern. And also love the Knit Stitches work and her page as well. There's a test knitter for... Um, her seasons change cardigan in back in last spring summer which was actually my first ever test knit and it was so fun really enjoyed it and I've done a few more since.
0: I haven't really, like I've seen people doing the test knit thing and I've looked at writing my own patterns and there's a few people who are interested in being test knitters but I don't really know exactly what that involves or
1: I've never like asked, asked for test knitters but I've been a test knitter a few times now And it's just, it's just quite fun because you you feel like you're helping someone with like their creation, which is really nice. Um, And it's nice to kind of see, like, if you know, there's a few of you who are testing the same pattern. People are quite good at sort of posting updates on their work and stuff. So it's really nice to see like how other people are making the same pattern kind of almost in real time. That's cool. Which I really like. Um, And just kind of seeing, even though we're all following the same pattern, making it in different colours and sizes and on different bodies. It's just really nice to see how someone's pattern can come to life but look so different on different people.
0: That's really cool. Do you do you yeah. usually follow a pattern or do you like to like free work?
1: I pretty I would pretty much always follow a pattern, I think. Um I think it's um it's like partly a confidence thing is in like knowing what I'm doing. And also there's just so many patterns. Like my list on my phone of patterns that I want to make is just it's just like ever expanding. So that's probably one reason why I use patterns as well. But then like I while I was off work, I did start kind of like trying to design my own pattern. And it's hard work. <laughs> that's like one it of the things I took away from it. So I think it is something I really want to like follow through and actually d- do properly. But I'm actually, when I switch to my next job in February, I'm gonna be 80% instead of 100% working. So I'll have one day a week where I'm not in work. So I want to use that as like a knitting day to try and expand like my account and work on my own pattern and, and things like that, which is which is really exciting
0: yeah that's really cool. I'm looking forward to that
1: nice. <laughs> but i know I know you don't follow like you often don't follow patterns, which is very clever.
0: I just kind of started learning uh through videos on youtube um mainly mm-hmm. one on the gang kind of videos because I think they're very good.
1: yeah, they are very good.
0: I just started learning different techniques and then I followed a few patterns mainly from one on the gang because they're very simple patterns when I've looked at other patterns before. It just looks like a different language like it doesn't make sense to me um mm. i'm really bad at remembering the little short hands that they have for things yeah so i'm like I'll, I'll start doing it and i'm like i, I don't know what that bit is so
1: it's like a different language isn't it you're right it's like um i remember when i first started looking at patterns and it's like a code
0: yeah it is yeah
1: especially some of the very old-fashioned patterns like that very first one i saw when i said the cynthia receptionist gave me the baby hat pattern That was like a really old pattern that had been handed down in her family, I think. And it was written, all written in shorthand. And I just remember thinking, I've just probably spent a good couple of hours Googling all the abbreviations and being like, right, that's that, that's that.
0: And the abbreviations, generally speaking, they're kind of standardized. But if you find like older patterns, I feel like their abbreviations are different. So I Mm. think nowadays it's a bit more standardized, but like, I think there's different, codes and stuff for like uk patterns and us patterns for example so yes.
1: i think people are better nowadays at explaining like quite a lot of the patterns i've tested um and like a couple i've pre-read you know for like translation to english and stuff um people are very good at listing all the abbreviations at the start and like trying to explain what they mean in kind of like layman's terms yeah. which is really important because you don't know like You can say whether your pattern is beginner, intermediate, advanced or whatever, but you kind of don't know how experienced someone is who might be reading your pattern. So I think the more explanation you put into it is the better. And some people make their own videos and things to explain complex stitches and things. And that's really clever.
0: Yeah, I think that's a, one of the reasons why I like the Wool and the Gang patterns is because they have mm. such a pack, like big catalogue of videos on every technique that they use that's in a pattern they've got a video for it and they've usually yeah. got like a little link or so so yeah but i've i've tried pattern writing but and it's something i'm determined to do this year but i always mm-hmm. make really good notes at the beginning kind of crappy notes in the, in the middle and then <laughs> notes right at the end because i'm like oh yeah i was meant to be making notes and yeah yeah
1: and you just get carried away don't you and you think oh i didn't write down how i did that bit
0: yeah and, yeah. like, most, most of the way I like to knit is I'm just experimenting and, like, because I don't have a timeline or anything, it doesn't matter if I do go wrong. I can just take it back and yeah. work out from my mistakes.
1: Yeah. I think um, with pattern writing as well, I think actually writing the pattern is probably only half the job because then you have to, like, grade it into all the different sizes. And that just terrifies me. Like, I've seen some people showing their process of doing that and it just looks like multiple excel spreadsheets which kind of makes me feel a bit sick um yeah. but i can imagine very satisfying when it's done and all the numbers like work and you can send it to your testers and you know they can actually make something from it like i think that's why uh, other than designing a garment which would be amazing but also like writing something that sort of people that i respect within the community can read and then make something from themselves like that's just yeah. would be really quite an achievement. I think.
0: Yeah. I think that is one of the things that I've I've spoken to a couple of people about. And I think the way that I would want to write a pattern would be very different. And I would make the reader have to do a little bit of work so that they can make mm-hmm. it fit them better. So I'll do the idea of the shaping and the pattern that I would ask them to measure themselves and then have like a simple calculation On how many stitches they will actually need. Mm, That's interesting. So I think that that's an easier way to do one one pattern, but that can ideally fit anyone. Mm -hmm.
1: That that's the idea I have.
0: But Mm -hmm. I mean, there could be a reason why you don't really see that is because it's (laughs) too complicated. (laughs) So
1: maybe, but then once like once you put the work in and worked out that formula, um, Mm. because like again nowadays like it's nice to see some designers and some patterns becoming much more size inclusive isn't it
0: yeah and the other thing as well is that i would want to do it so you can use different wools but like generally the same kind of weight of a wool but like i wouldn't expect everyone to buy some crazy sexy wool from one of the gang because it is really expensive mm-hmm. like if yes. you can buy a a drops cheaper wool yeah and do the same thing it's, yeah. it's more inclusive than for your budget as well as size. Yeah,
1: definitely. I've become like, I don't want to use the word obsessed, but I've become quite like a keen interest in like yarn subbing. And I just think it's so satisfying if you can try and. Because I used to just look at yarn and think, well, sh- surely you could just sub that for that. And I never really understood. But now I'll look really carefully at like um the suggested needle size and like i used to just think it was all about um the the tension that they give on mm-hmm. the yarn um you know like from the makers of the yarn but now yeah. i look at like the yardage and stuff and like it, it like makes sense a lot more and yeah if you sub something and then it works and you get the right gauge it's just it's really satisfying
0: it is yeah i i, I get that because i i try to make um because I did the boys are back sweater and then I did like my version and I didn't have enough money to buy some more wool on the gang yarn so I tried to use something that I thought was a similar weight but Mm -hmm. wasn't really in the end when I was actually like what was that um I called it um Dancing in the Moonlight and I used some wool that I got from Hobbycraft yeah I called it Dancing in the Moonlight because the the other one was the boys are back so it just made me think of Fin Lizzie and Dancing in the Moonlight is mm. one of my favourite Fin Lizzie songs. So that's where that's that really name cool. came from.
1: I've seen a few. I think it was um, on the Knit Pearl Girls um, blog. She did. She's done a couple of posts on like comparing very similar yarns and kind of like a luxury option and a and a budget option because there's like I um, have got quite into sort of like mohair knitting recently either on its own or like with another fiber because I think it just like changes the fiber completely but mohair can be really really expensive but she did a nice comparison of a few different ones like knitting for olive and drops and maybe a hobby craft one I can't remember but it is it's definitely possible to to substitute yarn to match your budget you just have to spend a bit of time um like thinking about it and and sometimes you do have to just take the plunge and just buy something and then see how it knits up and see how it swatches and stuff. Mm. It's very satisfying if it works.
0: That's cool. Yeah. I think um, my girlfriend wants me to make something with that kind of wool, which I've Mm. not really done before, but I'm quite excited to have a go at doing something like that.
1: Yeah, it is nice. It's just the fluff gets like everywhere. (laughs) I was just constantly like vacuuming our apartment because all the fluff (laughs) that comes out of my projects. (laughs)
0: that's quite funny <laughs> yeah I've I tried doing um some like massive chunky wool like that arm knitting thing and oh yeah it it just goes everywhere it's bonk like it looked I was well I was making a sweater originally at the first and then it ended up looking uh, turning into a cat bed but it looked like <gasps> I cat saw was- that Yeah, it just kind of looked like the cat was just sleeping on my chest, though, because, like, the fluff went everywhere. (laughs) It was mental.
1: Yeah, I'd like to try that as well someday. But I always think with arm knitting, like, once you start, how do you stop? Like, do you have to do it until you're finished?
0: Uh, I I think so. And it gets heavier and heavier (laughs) as well. Like, I've only done, like, a small thing, so it's it's not been so bad. But I don't... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would love to have like a proper go at it, but it's really expensive as well.
1: Yeah, the biggest thing I've ever made is um, I made a bean bag for my boyfriend's birthday. Um, I saw that. A year, a year or so ago? Yeah, I think it was two years ago. Um, and that was really fun. But I did that, I just used some paint box yarn for that um, and doubled it up. So it just made like a really, really chunky fabric. Um, that was a really fun project to make, but imp- I had to hide it from him. Obviously we, how did <laughs> <enjoyed> that <laughs> well I had a willing accomplice um my when I was I was on um a palliative care placement in the hospital and my consultant supervisor we just bonded over knitting like she absolutely loves knitting as well so it was we used to talk about it all the time and it was so nice um shout out to Laura Edwards if she listens to this and she, I told her about my plans for this bean bag and she just got so excited about it and she helped me. So she let me hide the beanbag in her office at work. And I used to go after, after I'd finished work, I used to go and like work on it in her office, um, which was really nice of her. And she also, cause I've never sewn, I don't have a sewing machine. I wouldn't know how to even start, but she um, sewed me with her sewing machine, like a lining, an inner for the beanbag that matched nice. the yarn. So then it became like this triangle thing and she sewed some Velcro into it and I could just siphon the bean, bean bag beans in. Perfect. It was amazing. It was teamwork. Yeah. in the It history. looks
0: awesome. It looks so <laughs> cool. Like it looks really comfortable as well.
1: It's so comfortable because it's kind of like, it, it's made, it's really hard to explain, but it's kind of made in like a triangle shape. So the yeah, front gonna, is kind of flat and then the then. back comes up into a triangle.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: It is, Um. yeah, it's definitely my, my biggest make to date. I'm not sure what I could make that's bigger than that. Yeah, I'm not maybe sure. A blanket. Like
0: a sofa cover maybe. <laughs> how did you did you use um circular needles or how how did you how did you make that?
1: I love circular needles. I'm such a convert. I I cut like I picked up some straight needles the other day. I can't remember what it was for because I have circulars for my sizes and I just was like, what's this? I found it really weird Um, but yeah I used circular needles I think they were 25s they were really big Um, and I just knit it in two pieces so basically did two massive rectangles and then attached them together at the front and then ended up kind of twisting one like 90 degrees so it made the triangle bit at the back
0: Mm -hmm. Nice, Um,
1: and yeah basically just sewed it up like, like you would anything like mattress stitch um, yeah. but just on a massive, massive scale, because it's just it's just garter stitch, but it's just huge.
0: That's really cool, mm-hmm. yeah. Circular needles are awesome, especially when you're oh. trying to travel as well, because mm-hmm. it's easier, to, like, they've got more space for them to, like, move around on. Um,
1: yeah, and heavy stuff. You can, like, it's on the cord, and the cord can be on your lap, so it takes mm-hmm. the weight, and it yeah. just is so much better on your
0: arms and wrists. Yeah. Do you ever put the, like, the... St- stoppers on the end if you're ever traveling or anything or
1: mm-hmm. yeah
0: because i yeah. i didn't know that was a thing and because i've got um like plugs in my ears um if it was like bigger stuff i would have if i had spare like plugs in my ears i would stick those on the end to stop the oh, wall from clever. Off. um but then i realized they were actually a thing like i got a set
1: <laughs> commercially available <laughs> yeah um, yeah, um, so good. And then when I discovered interchangeable needles, that just blew my mind. One of my best purchases ever.
0: I've got a couple sets on my Etsy account, which I'm saving for. I am gonna. I think I'm going to get some in my birthday. And yeah. I'm just going to just order a bunch.
1: Do it. Oh, just do it. They are so good because you don't have to, like when you change your needle size, say like you've done some ribbing um, and you're changing or whatever, um, you don't have to change your cord. You literally just unscrew it. It's just...
0: It blew my mind. Yeah, it sounds great. And then, I feel like you could, once you've done the ribbon bit and you've changed up a size, if you've got a spare cable, you can start doing the ribbon for like the next sleeve.
1: So good. And then, because they come as a set, like you've just got all the needles that you could possibly need, and all the different cord lengths, and so you can just combine them. Because I was making the Yorks sweater by Darling Jadore, like this time last year-ish just going into the first lockdown and it was the first like top down sweater I'd made which was very exciting but because it was top down like it and you're making like the yoke and the raglan it grows and grows and grows and grows so you're constantly having to like move up cable length mm-hmm. so it was on four millimeter needles and I remember buying some like in my naivety and being like right I've got a set the full up be fine and then because it just grew and grew and grew they weren't long enough so like, I having yeah. to buy more and more it's like buying all these needles on Amazon. i Thought this is ridiculous so that's when i got the interchangeable So that's
0: another project that i want to do is try and do a yoke and try and get do a knitting yeah. from the neck down because i've never done it but
1: it's so it's i am a, such a convert now really yeah. like it because
0: i know mm-hmm. that you've done like probably most of your jumpers kind of look like you've done or at least the ones you've done lately have been like that yeah
1: like this one's not um this one sews the sleeves on but um quite a few of the others like this one which is my design that I've kind of stopped doing but I need to get back onto it that's top down so you can see how the the raglan just increases and it's because then it's just seamless and you don't have to sew it up at the end which
0: is great that's very cool I don't mind the the sewing up at the end like I know a load of people hate it but I don't yeah I don't mind it can't stand it yeah I I don't know know why so many people that absolutely hate it but mm-hmm. yeah
1: it's good if you like doing it don't get me wrong because i just find that sometimes like i've been making my boyfriend a jumper for like year like a, a, more than one year which is terrible um and i finally finished all the bits of it like the sleeves in the front and the back but one of the things that's just making me drag my feet with it is that i've got to sew it up
0: I, just,
1: yes. I don't know what it is about it just feels like it's so nice once you finish something to then be able to wear it whereas there's like another thing to do at the end
0: yeah but, I, I think it's just like I don't mind stitching up yeah. um,
1: oh I wish I was like that
0: <laughs> I think once you <laughs> one, cause I think once I learned how to do the technique properly I was like mm-hmm. oh there's no you don't see the seam, seam really at no. all like it it's, it's so much nicer
1: Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's very clever. I remember when I first learned like the invisible seam or mattress stitch. I was like, oh, that's amazing. I think um, where I was going wrong was kind of like pulling it too tight because you do want to just hide it and then it all bunches up and then it just all looks a bit naff.
0: Yeah, what's your favourite project? Oh man,
1: that's so hard. Um, It's like the impossible question. So many favourites. I think definitely like more recently working with mohair i've absolutely loved um probably one of my favorites is petite knits september sweater which i finished the one i finished the other day um in the drops air and the kid silk was a present from my mum for it was meant to be for christmas and then um <laughs> it was late so it ended up being for her birthday so she's got that now um so i feel like i finished it and barely had time to just love it and then had to put it in the post but I'm actually working on another one for me which I started before hers and then got distracted which is like an all my hair one. Oh, nice um, and it's just so the construction of it the pattern is just incredible you start with the back and um, you basically knit this bit first mm. and then you add you pick up for the shoulder seams either side and then you then join in the round and add the neckband and it's just so clever
0: that's really um, cool, so you uh, top, yeah, going you, down
1: Yeah, you literally start flat on the back, like knitting this bit flat, come down till about probably here, I think,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: then when it looks like a kind of a, like a, a triangle shape, you pick up, bring these shoulders that seams up and over, and then you've kind of got them hanging there, like two flaps, and then you knit down here, and then under where the arms are formed, you join on either side Amazing. Like that, and then knit keep keep going knitting in the round until you get down to the ribbing at the bottom and then you add the neck and I just need to pick up and add the sleeves I just think it's so like I think that's why I like it because it's such a clever pattern
0: it looks really good yeah
1: yeah so need to finish that but um it's I didn't really want to rush it because it's such a nice pattern so I yeah. don't I don't mind that it's taken me a while that's probably one of my favorite projects so much so that I've made it twice
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's really cool yeah that looks awesome
1: yeah I think I like patterns that are kind of like kind of like a a challenge like structurally almost like a little engineering project
0: yeah yeah I really want to learn some new techniques and styles because I think like because I make a lot of the stuff up I my style is relatively basic, but, um, yeah, Mm -hmm. I'd love to expand on new techniques and stuff.
1: No, there's a whole world out there. of Amazing construction. Like even just to make a shoulder, there's so many different ways of doing it. Like you can do your two bits seam Mm -hmm. together or you can do a raglan or I've seen some people have done like a saddle shoulder where you kind of knit down from the neck band and then like increases come out and incredible
0: yeah yeah
1: it's amazing I think um people just like underestimate knitting don't they that they don't when you when you think of knitting if you don't do it you think of like grandmas and like sort of like old-fashioned clothes like baby clothes I feel like Mm -hmm. now there's so much modern stuff and so many amazing designers just
0: for sure like the the techniques have grown massively for mm-hmm. for knitting and crochet. And do you ever find yourself if you go into a into a shop and you kind of look down the clothes aisle, do you think, Oh, I could I could have a go at knitting that. Or oh, that's different. I, I want to have a go at doing that pattern. Yeah,
1: definitely. Definitely. I think when I started like being able to properly like read knitting and read stitches and look at a garment and be like, that's stuck in it, that's rib, that's whatever. It's like it was such a powerful tool because you suddenly think you go from just looking at a piece of clothing and thinking that's a nice piece of knitwear to like actually understanding it and I think not in like a weird way but looking at stuff in shops that's like really expensive or kind of like marketed as very unique and you think actually I could make that with my own twists and like that's amazing that that you could actually make that make a garment similar to what you've seen but with your own take on it just from like a ball of yarn
0: yeah i would love to do that if i had if I had the money and the space and yeah. stuff i would love to like find something that's really popular either on a tv show or like high in fashion or something and then try and make my own version but like make it a little bit more yeah. unique rather than just a straight up copy
1: i saw um yeah obviously copying's not not the way forward i saw um i think it was i don't know if you watched the crown but there was a like episode of the crown and diana was wearing like her famous is it—is it got sheep on i think
0: yeah i think i saw one of the gang post something about that
1: and like making similar stuff to like really iconic knits from like you know the past and stuff it's really cool. yeah
0: i would love to have a go at doing that
1: mm-hmm. possibilities are endless we just all need to not have our day jobs anymore
0: Um, Really enjoyed that conversation. Thank you very much for being on. I'm hoping at some point down the line we might have another episode with her and have a little catch-up and see how she's doing with uh, being a doctor. So some things that I'm working on this week. I am still writing patterns. I'm still hoping to uh, finish off the small and start working on different sizes for the dog sweater. Um, I'm also trying to gather up all my notes from from previous uh, pieces of work that I've worked on. Um, I've made kind of random notes on like how much I casted on and little bits but I haven't made many notes on some of the other projects that I've kind of worked on because I'm kind of like a free knitter I like I don't really work from many patterns so I just kind of make things up um, but I am currently trying to turn some of those into patterns because I know that there's quite a few people out there that are interested so um, leave a comment down below on some of the patterns that you would really like to see and I'll try and prioritise them. So I'm also working on the next season of Historic Cooking. I'm gonna be filming that probably, uh, well, we're gonna be filming that next week, Um, but quite looking forward to that. Yeah, but I really hope you enjoy this video. Uh, Please remember to like, subscribe, uh, review, and most importantly, share. Um, Really important if you can share this episode and hopefully get more people watching it or listening to it. And um, yeah, I will see you next Friday. Um, Have a great week, everyone. Stay safe. And I will see you in the next episode.